What is the past, the present, and the future? In my view, there is no such thing as a past or a future. There is only the right now, this moment. The past happened in memories, in images, in relics, where our brains then create patterns to understand our so-called history. The future is the same, except our brains or our conscious selves are not fully able to realize the same patterns for the future. Many of us keep diaries or look at work schedules. You may know you have an upcoming flight or some kind of meeting, an appointment or whatever that might be. Right now, it's the year 2022. So 2022 rotations of the earth around the sun, also known as years, since Jesus. So let's go back 100 rotations from 2022 around the sun to the year 1922. David Lloyd George is prime minister of an empire that is at its absolute max, covering one quarter of the planet's political landmass, as well as one quarter of its population. In that same year, Lloyd George was forced from office in a general election, and Andrew Bonar Law becomes prime minister. The Germans are wrecked by costly reparations because they lost the Great War. The US is boom flush with new money coming in from Europe. The Ottoman Empire has finally collapsed. People are still coming out of the Spanish flu. League of Nations is around. Russia is and coming out of the Civil War. Red Army being victorious. In Egypt, English archaeologist Howard Carter and his men find the entrance to Tutankhamun's tomb in the Valley of the Kings. British writer Walter Lionel George predicts numerous things that year as well. Here are a handful that sound like, well, they kind of sound like they actually happened. He said, I suspect that commercial flying will have become entirely commonplace. The passenger steamer will survive on the coasts, but it will have disappeared on the main routes and will have been replaced by flying convoys which should cover the distance between London and New York in about 12 hours. Not bad. Then he said, the people of the year 2022 will probably never see a wire outlined against the sky. It is practically certain that wireless telegraphy and wireless telephones will have crushed the cable system long before the century is done. That's pretty good, right? Then he said, coal will not be exhausted, but our reserves will be seriously depleted, and so will those of oil. One of the world dangers a century hence will be a shortage of fuel, but it is likely that by, that by that time a great deal of power will be obtained from tides from the sun, probably from radium and other forms of radial energy, while it may also be that atomic energy could be harnessed. He also said, the movies will become more attractive. Long before 2022, they will have been replaced by the kind phone, don't know what that is, which now exists only in the laboratory. That is the figures on the screen will not only move, but they will have their natural colors and speak with ordinary voices. That's pretty accurate too. Many buildings, he said, now standing will be preserved. It is conceivable that the Capitol at Washington, many of the universities and churches will be standing a hundred years hence and that they will almost unaltered be preserved by tradition. Pretty decent guesses, right? Then there is Baba Wenger, a blind Bulgarian mystic. 
She died in 1996, right before her death. At the age of 85, she made a series of predictions for the year 2020. The most startling revelation was that Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump's lives were endangered during 2020. Now, technically, they were. I mean, everyone's life is in risk somewhere. The Russian president could reach the end of his mortal coil thanks to an assassination attempt made from within the Kremlin, she stated. Of course, Putin and the Donald both survived 2020 fully intact, coronavirus notwithstanding. She also said that 2021 would be the year that a cure for cancer is found. She also mysteriously predicted that the 45th president of the U.S., would suffer from a disease that would leave him deaf and cause brain trauma. The 45th president of the U.S. was, of course, Donald J. Trump. In the American Back to the Future trilogy movie franchise, Doc and Morty went from the year 1985 to 2015. In it, they saw flying cars running on trash. Then, in the Doctor Who TV series, the Doctor travels through time as well as space many multiple times, seeing multiple versions of a future. All to say, predicting the future has a history. Another British writer, George Orwell, wrote the book 1984, perhaps the best-known dystopian novel of all time. It's often used as a barometer for corruption and government control. The book called 1984, written in 1949, by the way, is a theme of surveillance, and it resonates amid data privacy, theft scandals, and a world of hackable laptop cameras. In 1984, civilization has been ravaged by World War, civil conflict, and revolution. Estrip 1, formerly known as Great Britain, is a province of Oceania, one of the three totalitarian superstates that rule the world. And everyone is run by a party called The Party, a kind of a socialist entity, and the mysterious leader, Big Brother who has an intense cult of personality. The party brutally purges out anyone who does not fully conform to their regime using the thought police and constant surveillance through telescreens, i.e. two-way televisions, cameras, and hidden microphones. Those who fall out of favor with the party become unpersons, disappearing with all evidence of their existence destroyed. Michael de Nostradame, or Nostradamus to you and I, was a French astrologer, physician, and a seer, who is best known for his book Les Prophecies, which was a collection of 942 poems allegedly predicting the future. The book was first published in 1555. The first edition included three whole centuries. The book begins with a preface in the form of a message to his son César, followed by the centuries themselves. The second edition was published in the same year and has only minor differences from the first. The third edition was published in 1557 and included the full text of the previous edition supplemented by three more centuries. The fourth edition was published two years after the death of the author, as in 1568. It is the first edition to include all ten centuries as well as a second preface that was a letter to King Henry II of France. Those predictions do not follow some chronological coherence and were written in combining French, Greek, Latin, and Octian. It is believed that it contains anagrams, mythological, and astrological references in subjective language that makes comprehension difficult. 
Some scholars claim that this was a resource used by Nostradamus to evade the Holy Inquisition for fear of being persecuted for heresy. Many of his superfans, however, do agree, for example, that he predicted the Great Fire of London, the French Revolution, the rise of Napoleon and Adolf Hitler, both world wars, and the nuclear destruction of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Popular authors frequently claim that he predicted whatever major event had just happened at the time of each book's publication, such as the Apollo moon landings in 1969, the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster in 1986, Death of Diana, Princess of Wales in 1997, and the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center in 2001. It's interesting that these are all Western events. It would be an understatement to suggest that there is a cult around him and his prophecies. British writer Herbert George Wells, more popularly known as H.G. Wells, in his book The Time Machine, popularized the concept of time travel. The book was written in 1895, yes, 1895, and starts in Victorian times. The travel itself is done by using a vehicle or device to travel purposely and selectively forwards or backwards through time. The term time machine, coined by Wells, is now almost universally used to refer to such a vehicle or device. Time machine is interpreted in modern times as a commentary on the increasing inequality and class divisions of Wells's era, which he projects as giving rise to two separate human species, the fair childlike Eloi and the savage Morlock, distant descendants of the contemporary upper and lower classes respectively. Another famous Wells book is The War of the Worlds from 1898. It is one of the earliest stories to deal with a conflict between mankind and extraterrestrial races. The novel is the first-person narrative of both an unnamed protagonist in Surrey and of his younger brother in London as southern England is invaded by Martians. The novel is one of the most commented on works in the science fiction canon. Keep in mind that each of these people were a product of their time just as you and I are a product of our moment. An example in point, Wells said that the plot arose from a discussion with his brother Frank about the catastrophic effect of the British on indigenous Tasmanians. What would happen, he wondered, if Martians did to Britain what the British had done to the Tasmanians? I guess he also invented Martians. A Short History of the Future is a book by W. Warren Wagger, which was first published in 1989 and underwent two revisions, 1992 and 1999. It's a fictitious narrative history of the ensuing two centuries from the vantage point of the year 2200. The first version imagined a far more prominent role for the Soviet Union, which collapsed shortly after the publication. Final revision incorporates a brief section of the year 1989 as a revolutionary year. The first section deals with the present time leading up to Wagner's idea of the seminal event of the 21st century, i.e. a devastating nuclear conflict between Europe and the United States, which is subsequently known as the catastrophe. What emerges after the catastrophe is a socialist world government which lasts for the next hundred years until the small revolution of the late 22nd century the description of which ultimately ends the book. 2001 A Space Odyssey 
is a book by Arthur C. Clarke about a space trip going bad because of a rogue computer HAL in the spacecraft. The book was actually written in 1968. Then there's Rendezvous with Rama. It's a Clarke-written science fiction novel published in 1973, but set in the 2130s. The story involves a 50 by 20 kilometer cylindrical alien starship that enters the solar system. The story is told from the point of view of a group of human explorers who intercept the ship in an attempt to unlock its mysteries. The Revelation Space Universe is a fictional universe which was created by Alistair Reynolds and used as the setting for a number of his novels and stories. Its fictional history follows the human species through various conflicts from the relatively near future, roughly 2200, to approximately 40,000 AD. All the novels to date are set between 2427 and 2727, although certain stories extend beyond that period. Dune is a science fiction media franchise that originated with the 1965 novel Dune by American Frank Herbert. The political, scientific, and social fictional setting of Herbert's novels and derivative work is known as the Dune universe. Set tens of thousands of years in the future, the saga chronicles a civilization that has banned all thinking machines, which include computers, robots, and artificial intelligence. In their place, civilization has developed advanced mental and physical disciplines, as well as advanced technologies that adhere to the ban on computers. Vital to this empire is the harsh desert planet Akaris, the only known source of the spice melange the most valuable substance in the universe. Spice is the material allowing every travel, shield, and armor to be made and can only be collected in the dangerous deserts of Akaris. Arabic, desert, and Islamic influences have also been noted in these books. I'm not going to mention Star Wars because it is set in a galaxy far, far away and a long, long time ago but I will mention Star Trek because it is set in the future. Now, Star Trek is an American science fiction media franchise crew created by Gene Roddenberry. It started off in 1966. It followed the voyages of the starship USS Enterprise, a space exploration vessel built by the United Federation of Planets in the 23rd century on a mission to explore strange new worlds, seek out new life and new civilizations, too boldly go where no man has gone before. In creating Star Trek, Roddenberry was inspired by C.S. Forrester's Hiroshio Hornblower series of novels, Jonathan Swift's 1726 novel Gulliver's Travels, the 1956 film Forbidden Planet, and television westerns such as Wagon Train. Anyway, the rest, as they say, is history. Then there's Black Summer. It's an American streaming television series created by Carl Schaeffer and John Himes. The first season was released on Netflix in 2019. Six weeks after the start of the zombie apocalypse, Rose is separated from her daughter Annie and she embarks on a harrowing journey to find her. Thrust alongside a small group of refugees in North America, she must brave hostile new world and make brutal decisions during the most deadly summer of the apocalypse. One thing I'll mention here but elaborate on later is that our small human minds can only remember the past, observe the present, and cannot remember the future. Anyhow, I've also very deliberately highlighted the nationalities of the authors, British, 
American sometimes, French, maybe others, there seems to be a lot more Westerners who try predicting the future, and that could actually stem from God. Yes, God, who in the Bible, according to the book of Jeremiah, God told Zerachiah who was the 20th and last king of Judah before the Babylonians did what they had to do, you know, destroy the place. God said, and I'm quoting God, I am about to hand this city over to the king of Babylon and he will burn it down. You will not escape from his grasp, but will surely be captured and handed over to him. You will see the king of Babylon with your own eyes, and he will speak to you face to face, and you will go to Babylon. You will not die by the sword. You will die peacefully. End quote. It's amazing, quoting God. But anyway, it's not that other cultures, however, do not predict some kind of future. It's that they do do. It's just that the Western version of it is just so much more popular somehow, somewhere. The Netflix show Sispus in Korean is when people from a very near future, but in a Korea that's been destroyed by nuclear war, goes back to the near past just before the start of the war in order to prevent that war from happening. In Hindi language cinema, a movie called Love Story 2050 explored a future concept in it, but there isn't that much in Hindi cinema, and Hindi cinema and Indian cinema generally is huge. In many cultures, you have mystics and fortune tellers who can read your future. Humans have been going to such individuals for centuries, probably since humans came to existence, actually. I don't doubt that the authenticity of some of these mystics is real. I don't. Astrology is considered a pseudoscience by many. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. It's not for me to say. But astrologers have techniques to help us look ahead. Mystics and astrologies are hardly purviews of European culture, are they? They're everywhere. And all of these people are predicting or trying to predict the future. What that leaves us with is a lot of rich history about the future. Rich history about the future. But all that history, by default, is in the past. But remember what I said. The predictions of the future are firmly based on our own limited understanding of our own culture and our own present. So our predictions of the future are limited by those ideas. We can see, for example, in the 1927 German film Metropolis, based on a 1925 German novel by Thea von Harbour of the same name, was made in Germany during the Weimar period. Metropolis is set in a futuristic urban dystopia and follows the attempts of Fredra, a wealthy son of a city master and Maria, a saintly, a saintly figure, to the workers to overcome the vast gulf separating the classes in that city and bring the workers together with Joe Federson, the city master. The film's message is encompassed in the final intertitle. Mediator between the head and the hands must be the heart. There also happens to be an incredible obsession in mostly Western cultures to focus on the future anyway, in particular in fiction. We can explain this by the influence of writers like Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. The types of future, though, hasn't changed all that much. It could be dystopian, it could be military, could be nice, but ultimately it's all speculation. None of us, no one, can exactly remember the future. If I did, I would be rich personally, and so would you. Well, so what about the future? 
There are people who dedicate their entire lives studying the future, known as futurists. Religious people also engage in futurism, where they look at the old set-in-stone texts and interpret future events as part of a prediction, where the aim is to justify the scriptures as relevant in the current date and time. Visionary writers such as H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, and Huxley were not in their day characterized as futurists. The term futurology, in its contemporary sense, was first coined in the mid-1940s by the German professor Ossip K. Feinstein, who proposed a new science of probability. A British artist, John McHale, author of The Future of the Future, published a futures directory and directed a think tank called the Center for Investigative Studies. Futurology can help people who decide public policy, risk management, companies, and all kinds of things. It helps a lot. Technology sector companies are big investors in these individuals who are often found at Western fancy think tanks and Western universities. But what about our future, yours and mine's? We can sit here and make a prediction. But think about this first. If today was the 1st of January 2020, who would have known COVID and lockdowns would have happened in 2020 in so many places all around the world? So predicting some kind of black swan event like that is not a good game plan. It's nearly impossible. That said, a virus was never unexpected. We have had thousands of years of knowledge about pending viruses, and they've come and gone all the time. So today, unlike a mystic, I will not be making any insane predictions. Although I have made some predictions of black swan events, if you scroll back to episode 21, it is well worth a listen. Yes, episode 21. Will the future be like the German Netflix series Tribes of Europa, when so-called progress actually regresses? Or like Star Trek, where everyone is in a NATO-style galactic alliance? Or like Metropolis, where we're in a class-ridden world? Here are my three predictions of events in the next couple of decades, say 25 years to about 2047, barring a massive black swan event that changes everything. Well, my third prediction is a black swan event, but one or two, I would say reasonable, accurate, based on thousands of years of data, the first two. So number one, number one is very little change for the average person. You see, most people on the planet today are living just as they were 25 years ago. At the time of publication of this podcast episode, 25 years ago was 1997. Not much has changed. Most humans live in villages and large cities in South America, Africa, and Asia. That isn't going to change. So, again, very little change for most average people. Two, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Yeah, they may be growing middle class, but this is the accepted norm. It's been going on for far too long for it to stop all of a sudden. And my last one, the third one. When I was a kid, I always wished for an alien invasion the day before an exam. I cannot let my third prediction go to waste. I boldly predict that aliens invade, turn humans into battery packs, and all of a sudden, the future is not so rosy. You should plan for the future too, but not too far out. It makes no sense. Don't worry about the future. Just live in the present moment. And, of course, know your history. Repeat your history. History never repeats anyway. And by the way, I don't even think it rhymes. So thank you for listening. Until next time, thank you. 